0: Our reading this morning is taken from Galatians chapter 5, starting on page 1106. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve the one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are not in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, we started this series um, on whole life discipleship by looking at how the gospel, that is the good news of Jesus Christ, is something which shapes the whole of our lives. And and by that, I mean, we, we often talk about the gospel in terms of coming to a place of faith. Um, but actually the gospel is so much more than that. It's not just good news to get us to an initial starting point. It's good news to take us on a whole journey whereby we become more and more um, in the likeness of Jesus Christ. So the gospel is something which shapes the whole of our lives in Jesus Christ. It's good news for us and we believe in faith that it's good news for those we encounter on our front lines. And two weeks ago, I shared with you this quote, your life has purpose, your story is important, your dreams count, your voice matters, you were born to have an impact. And you might be here this morning hearing these words for the first time. You might have missed the start of the series You might just be here for this morning as guests of of Andy and Sarah uh, for the baptism here. You might be visiting us. And we also have people who listen to these talks online. But as I look round, I wonder at the stories, the dreams and the perspectives that each of you bring. We heard a bit about um, Lucy's um, perspective on leadership this morning and about her experience of being a leader in in the world of business. Last week, we heard a bit about Joel's experience of being a teenager, being for Christ in the local school and being for Christ in the performing arts. We've heard from Ian, um, our church warden, uh, about being a Christian in the world of business and the construction industry. You all have different perspectives that you bring. And the bottom line is they matter. And they matter to God. We heard at the start of the service these words from John 15, verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And that verse falls within a whole passage that talks about uh, Jesus being the true vine. But if you're new to church this morning, if, you, if you're not a regular at, at a church service, you might be forgiven for thinking, what's all this talk about fruit and fruitfulness? Have I mistakenly wandered into a grocery store? And no, you haven't. But let's understand what the Bible talks about when we talk about fruit and fruitfulness Well, the Greek word being used here for fruit or fruitfulness is is karpos. It's a word which is used throughout the Gospels and the letters of the New Testament and is a word connected with doing something, um, doing something which is advantageous, offering praise back to God, or sometimes it's connected with when we do something that brings people into a relationship with Jesus so let's listen to those words from john um, chapter 15 again with those definitions in mind my father is glorified in this that on your front lines you do something for him or maybe my father is glorified in this that on your front lines you do something advantageous for others that's a blessing to them or my father is glorified in this that you on your front lines offer praise back to God. Or well, my Father is glorified in this, that you on your front lines bring people to Jesus. And this goes to the heart of the current series we're in, which is all about recognising that we gather together as, as the body of Christ, as the church, in this place for maybe a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. But we live out in God's world in different contexts for the rest of the time, in homes and workplaces and schools and clubs and societies and sporting venues. We're only here together for a couple of hours, but we're out in the world for, uh, for an awful lot longer. And Jesus is saying to us that what pleases God is when people do things for him, bless others, praise God the Father, or tell people about Jesus Christ in all the places where you are during the week. Paul also regularly uses this um, idea of fruitfulness. And so in Romans chapter 7 and verse 4, we read, So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to one another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. And the transition that Paul is trying to take us on is that journey from a place of adherence to a strict set of rules and regulations where we can define ourselves as good or bad according to how successful we are at keeping the Sabbath laws or the Jewish customs, to a place whereby grace and through Jesus' work on the cross, we have freedom and we can choose to live empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Paul is seeking to take us on that journey whereby we move beyond the law into a place of freedom and grace. So let's turn to Galatians, to our reading from this morning, and find out how we're to live if we're to effectively be for Christ in the different front lines our weeks take us into. Paul's central concern in our passage this morning is character. Paul is concerned that if we're to be authentic or be seen to be authentic and live lives of integrity, then we have to have a godly character because only that will allow Jesus to be revealed and known on our front lines. But I want you to understand something in case you're given over to self-doubt or anxiety about this. When you read about the fruits of the Spirit, you might find yourself thinking, I've got to embody love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I've got to embody all of those things in all aspects of my life, in every context I find myself in, help. Because it can be overwhelming to think that that's the life that I have to live day after day after day. And so I want to share with you that part of what Paul is telling us this morning is it's not by our striving that we achieve that way of life, but by the gift of God's Spirit ministering in us and through us. We receive these fruits, these gifts of the Spirit through grace, not through anything that we try and do of ourselves. And so relax and know the Spirit leading you into the image of God. We're told in Galatians 5 um, that those who, in verse 16, walk by the Spirit, are, in verse 18, led by the Spirit, and in verse 25, live by and keep in step with the Spirit. And I was talking to someone after the first service this morning, and that wonderful imagery of walking in step with the Spirit I don't know if you're a visual person, but but I am. And I love the idea of walking side by side with the Holy Spirit into the life that God calls us to live. And there's a choice here, because because for there to be freedom, there has to be a choice. And the choice that Paul draws out in this passage is the choice between gratifying the desires of what he refers to as the sinful nature... And living the life that, in, that he enables through his spirit. So I'm going to ask you a question to, to ground this uh, for you. And I just want you to think about this in your minds as I speak. Can I ask you what qualities you find attractive in a person that you admire? You might want to think about someone whose character you find authentic or attractive you might think about um, someone who you desire to be in relationship with and what it is about that person that you find attractive. If we flip it around the other way and start with the first person, I wonder what you would like to uh, embody in your lives. I wonder what you would like to show that will be attractive to others and reveal Christ and make him known through the way in which you live. And I suspect, because it's a very easy suspicion to have, that you are not drawn to people on your front lines who embody anger or aggression. I would readily suspect that you are not drawn to people on your front lines who engage at that office gossip around the coffee machine that we heard Lucy talk about. I wonder if on your front lines, you don't find it attractive when people attempt to divide and engage in fractious behaviour. Those are not attractive qualities that we seek um, to emulate. But the biggest casualty of, of, um, of those qualities being emulated in our lives or in the lives of others is that they act as a barrier, a blockage, when we're seeking to reveal Jesus Christ. So when we desire on our front lines that people look into our lives and they see something of the image of God through them and we engage in divisive behaviour or angry behaviour or or gossip or unethical uh, or or questionable behaviour, then they fail to see that image of God because it becomes distorted by what we're modelling. If we're called to witness to Jesus on our front lines, we have to reflect something of who Jesus is in the way we behave and relate um, to others. Paul puts it far more directly than I have in verse 21 of Galatians 5. He says, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that verse is not about salvation. It's not saying to the person who confesses Jesus as their Lord, but then gets drunk at the office party, that you will no longer inherit eternal life because our salvation is not based on how we live, but on what Christ has done for us already on the cross. But Paul is saying that you on your front lines, if you exhibit these qualities, people will fail to see the life of Christ within you. We're called to reveal and make known Jesus. So choose life. Choose transformation. Because the Spirit is offering you a way of life that embodies love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I would imagine again that when you were thinking about that person whose whose character that you admire, that some of those qualities are, are evident in that person. They're attractive qualities that reveal Jesus, and they are the Spirit's gifts to us. If we choose to be people who walk by the Spirit, are led by the Spirit, live by, and walk in step with the Spirit. And God has been longing us to live this Spirit-filled life since the time of the prophets. In the midst of the regulations and rules that governed the lives of the Jewish people, the prophet Isaiah spoke about the life of the Spirit. And so if you have your Bibles to hand, if you want to um, turn to Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 15. In the church Bibles, in your seats, it's page 680. Isaiah chapter 32, page 680. Till the Spirit is poured on us from on high, and the desert becomes a fertile land, a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effects will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Justice, righteousness, confidence, quietness and peace was the prophecy of Isaiah, the message of Isaiah to the people of God. And back into uh, the New Testament, Paul is urging us in our reading from this morning in Galatians 5 to live this life in the Spirit. So I wonder what it's like for you to cultivate love in the midst of of fractious exchanges. I wonder what it's like for you to cultivate a habit of joy when so much um, in life at the moment is about temporary pleasure. I wonder what it's like to cultivate a consistent um, state of joy when so much about modern life is temporary pleasure. I wonder what it's like to cultivate peace in a world so divided and torn by power. I wonder what it's like to cultivate patience when life moves on at such a pace and so often we find ourselves just struggling to keep up before life moves on. What is it like to cultivate patience? Here's a big one. In the modern world, what is it like to receive and to offer kindness in a world where we believe ourselves to be self-sufficient and men and women are islands who are entirely able to, to survive on their own and I don't want your help, thank you very much. What is it like to receive kindness and to allow others to influence our lives with that kindness? What is it like to express goodness? Here's another big one. What is it to be faithful in a world which constantly changes? How can you be gentle when the person in front of you is being aggressive? So tempting, isn't it, to respond back with yet more aggression? And what is it to have self-control when there are so many addictions offering themselves in life? Alcohol, pornography, spending too much time online. What is it like to have self-control when there are so many addictions waiting to present themselves to us? This is a battle for our hearts and our minds. We have been set free by the work of Jesus on the cross. Because of that work, we know freedom. We have a choice to live the life of the Spirit that God extends to us by invitation. And that life allows us to be agents of God's transforming love and grace on our front lines. But because there is no longer the compulsion to adhere slavishly to rules and regulations, it's a choice that we have to make to let the Spirit influence the way we live our lives. But the good news is we have each other to support us. Our passage this morning starts with these words You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. We need each other to experience kindness. We need each other to experience patience and goodness. And I don't know about you, but I need the support of a community around me to know the encouragement of God in trying to live this life as we strive to bring God's transforming love for the world into the front lines we find ourselves on and seek to embody that character um, and image of God that the Spirit allows us to embody. Your life has purpose. Your story is important. Your dreams do count. Your voice matters. You were born to have an impact. Pray, friends. Father, convict us that this is nothing of our doing, but completely of your grace. Convict us, Lord, that you love us and that when we base and found our our lives on that love, that you are able to do extraordinary things with us and through us. Convict us, Lord, that you are changing and transforming us by your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, direct and rule our hearts. Form us into the very likeness of Christ. So on our front lines, we may be attractive, authentic people who reveal and make known your love. As we remain in this place of prayer, let's just move into a time of uh, saying sorry to God and coming back to God for those times when we failed to embody these things. Let's accept that um, there have been times in all our lives where we have caused division, where we have responded with anger. Let's recognize that sometimes we've given in to that temptation that when someone is in our face, uh, we get back in theirs. Let's admit to ourselves that we have gossiped around the coffee machine or other places. Let's accept that in our world the pursuit of power and wealth have caused countries to be at war with each other. Let's recognize that we have objectified people in our treatment of them. Jesus says to us, see, I am making all things new. In Christ, God is reconciling the world to itself. Through him, our sins are forgiven. And all God's people said, Amen.